few weeks ago, we started a series called God-Sized, and, um, and we, we've, we're now a few weeks into this series. I've had a lot of fun preaching, and hopefully you've had a lot of fun listening to it, but moreover, I, think, I hope that you have found uh, inspiration and encouragement through God's Word, and, uh, and part one of this series, a little bit of review, uh, we talked about having God-sized dreams, and ultimately that God has a dream for your life. He has a purpose for your life. We looked at the life of Joseph and how God gave Joseph a dream. He was only 17 years old, but it took 22 years for that dream to come to fruition. So listen, if God's put a dream in your heart, if, if you found purpose in your life, like don't quit. There is, in, in this, what you feel is delay is actually God developing you to be able to handle the dream. And uh, in part two, we talk about God-sized generosity that in the Bible, generosity is connected to righteousness. It's actually one of the same Hebrew words. Righteousness is sadak, and generosity is sadaka. So righteousness and generosity are interconnected. The scripture mentions generosity 2,106 times throughout scripture where it connects righteousness and generosity. So God has a lot of emphasis on generosity. Why would he do that? Well, because God is a generous God. He calls us also to be generous. I hope that we kind of like maybe uh, took down some, some, uh, some uh, maybe some awkwardness when it comes to generosity in the faith, and that is that, that generosity is not always about money. Sometimes it's about generosity is, is using your gifts, like, like being generous with kindness, being generous in forgiveness, being generous with your time, being generous in how you serve one another. And also, but when it comes to financial generosity, that's also not about an amount. Jesus one time was impressed by somebody's giving, and it wasn't an amount. It was a poor widow woman who gave the last she had. And he says, she has given out of her heart. So generosity is ultimately a heart thing. And last week, we talked about having God-sized faith. We asked the question, how do you do a lot when all you have is a little? We looked at the widow that Elijah went to, and she said, all I have is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. I'm going to bake my last loaf of bread. My son and I are going to eat it, and then we're going to die because they were in a famine and a drought at the time. And ultimately, we, what I wanted you to remember is that when all you have is a little, but if you have God, God is enough. God is enough. And so we talked about taking a leap of faith in that Faith is ultimately that gap between when our feet leave the ground and we land in the arms of our Father. Uh, and and we, we said that faith requires trust. And trust is uh, essential to faith and to, and to remember that God is actually worthy of our trust. He has proven himself to be trustworthy. And that faith isn't a feeling, because feelings end, but faith endures so that's what we talked about last week and the, and the two weeks prior to that. If, uh, uh, you can always get caught up in our series. All of our messages are archived online, newlife4kokomo.org. You can listen to it on your way to work or while you work or while you do the dishes, which is a lot, what I like to do, or when you mow the yard. That's what I like to do. Uh, my kids are always like, Dad, I can hear you singing on the mower. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you about that. I'm having a good time. But today I want to talk about God-sized prayer. God-sized prayer. In 1995, Cali, Colombia was known as the home of the world's largest drug cartel and also was known as the murder capital of the world 
with an average of 15 homicides every day. In 2005, the city was, the city was far more peaceful because one local pastor called citizens to pray for the city. In 1995, Julio convinced area pastors to support a prayer gathering at a local sports stadium, and 30,000 citizens showed up for an all-night prayer and fasting meeting for the city of Cali. The results were almost immediate. 48 hours later, the local newspaper ran a headline reading, No Homicides. For the first time, anyone could remember Cali had gone an entire weekend with no one being murdered. Ten days later, one of Cali's main drug lords was arrested, and 900 cartel-linked police officers were fired. The prayer meetings instantly doubled in size, and despite the murder of the founding pastor, the movement in Cali continued to grow. In March of 1996, believers gathered to pray on buses as they circled the city as symbolic, uh, as a, uh, circled the city a symbolic seven times. If you remember uh, the story in scripture, we marched around seven times. Um, so they got on city buses and rode the, the circuit as prayer teams. That's a good idea. Pretty soon New Life Church is going to be all packed into the city trolley and going around <laughs> and just praying over the city of Kokomo. I love that. Two weeks later, the Colombian government sent in elite troops and arrested all six of the remaining drug kingpins. Today, Cali's murder rate, uh, this, this article is from 2005, today Cali's murder rate is the lowest in 18 years. Corruption is down drastically, and kidnappings are down even more. Though Cali's murder rate is still 30 times higher than most European cities, uh, the situation has definitely improved. Pastor, but, uh, pastor's widow, remember he was, he was martyred, the pastor's widow Ruth says the city has transitioned from fear to hope. You see, God-sized prayers are more than just wishful thinking. Oh, I just wished upon a star. No, no, no. God-sized prayers, this is why we talked about faith last week and prayer this week, is because God-sized prayers are bold declarations of faith that recognize the vastness of God's abilities, not ours. I won't, let me say that again. God-sized prayer is bold declarations of faith that recognizes the vastness of God's abilities, not ours. And so when circumstances look impossible, you need to have God-sized prayer. Faith being connected to the power of God. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. this is what it says. It says, ah, sovereign Lord, You have made the heavens and the earth by your power and outreached arm. Listen to this. Nothing is too hard for you. Help me say that, New Life Church. Say nothing. Nothing is too hard for you. The arm of the Lord is 
pretty long. It says, you have made the heavens and the earth by your power and outstretched arm. I want you to know that nothing is out of reach of the Father. There is, there is, no, there is no impossibilities that the arm of the Lord cannot reach. He can reach you. He can reach me. And he can also reach deep down into the darkest places of the world and bring restoration and healing. Oh, mighty Lord. God-sized prayer then, number one, God-sized prayer is trust in his power. It's trust in his power. It's faith to believe that, that, there, that God has the power to deliver on his promises. God-sized prayer is when we, pr- when we, um, when we pray God-sized prayer, we demonstrate that trust in his power, not in our own power. When we pray, we are actually aligning and connecting to the power of God when we seem powerless in our current situation. And God's arm is not too, long, not too short. It is, he can reach. Nothing is impossible. God-sized prayer is a faith to believe just in that, that nothing is impossible with God. Sometimes it doesn't mean that all of what we want needs to be possible. But we are saying, God, in your power, we know that your way is higher than our ways. Listen to some of these God-sized prayers where people, were tr- people of God were trusting in the power of God in Scripture. I'm going to give you 10 really quick. They're not on the screen, but I'll tell it really well. Number one, Abraham, in Genesis chapter 18, Abraham intercedes for the city of Sodom, asking God to spare uh, uh, if it's despaired, even if there are 10 righteous people can be found, his prayer reveals his heart for justice and mercy. Moses in Exodus 32, Moses intercedes on behalf of the Israelites after they made the golden calf. He prays for God's forgiveness and pleads uh, for the people's lives to be spared. In Joshua 10, Joshua prays for the sun to stand still so the Israelites can achieve victory in battle. And his bold request reflects his faith in God's power to intervene in the natural realm. I'm like, God, can you just hold the sun still? I need to finish mowing the yard, you know? Like, Joshua's like, we, we need more time to win this battle. And he prayed a God-sized prayer that the sun would stand still and day last longer so they could win the battle. Hannah in, Sam, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, Hannah prays fervently for a child promising to dedicate him to the Lord if her prayer is answered. And her deep desire for a a child is a heartfelt plea that God answers by giving her a son, Samuel. In 1 Kings 3, Solomon asked God for wisdom and discernment to lead the people of Israel. His prayer for wisdom uh, uh, instead of personal gain pleases God, and Solomon becomes known for his exceptional wisdom. And uh, uh, in 2 Kings chapter 20, Hezekiah prays for his life to be extended when he is uh, severely ill. And God grants his request and adds 15 years to his life. In 1 Chronicles 4, Jabez prays for God's blessing and an enlargement of his territory despite his challenging circumstances. God grants his request. In 1 Kings 18, Elijah prays for fire to come down from heaven and consume the offering, demonstrating God's supremacy over false gods. In Daniel chapter 2, Daniel and his friends, they pray for God's revelation of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. God answers their prayer, revealing the dream's meaning to Daniel. 
And in the Garden of Gethsemane, in Matthew 26, Jesus prays to God, asking for the cup of suffering to be taken from him, yet submitting his will above all. Submitting to his will above all. Which takes me to the second thing I want you to know about God-sized prayer, is that God-sized prayer is always about alignment to God's purposes. God-sized prayer is not, God, here's my wish list, will you meet it? God-sized prayer is, God, I want to be in alignment to your will. Jesus says, is there any way that this cup can be taken from me? But he submitted to the will of the Father, and he ended up suffering to the cross anyway. So God-sized prayer isn't just to try to pray our way into our way, but it's to pray our way into his. God-sized prayer is alignment to his purposes. God-sized prayer is not always just about asking God with four requests. But through prayer, we, are, we actually align to his will. Well, I want to know God's will for my life. I want to know God's will for my life. I want to be aligned with God's will. Prayer helps align us to the will of God. But if you go to God just with like, okay, here's my prayer list. Check, check, check. Here's my wish list. That's not alignment. That's just asking. But prayer is that our hearts become in alignment with the heart of God. Listen to what Jesus says about prayer in Matthew chapter 6. He says, and when you pray, so Jesus is assuming that we pray. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the Pentecostals, I mean like the pagans do. That's my favorite joke. You've heard me say it before. He says, don't go on babbling like the pagans do. And uh, we have Pentecostal doctrine here at New Life Church, just so you know. Don't go on babbling like the pagans do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. When I read that, I find it very problematic to my prayer life because I realized my prayer life is just about asking. Uh, Lord, I just pray that, uh, and ask that you would uh, bless my family today. I ask that uh, today would be a blessing Today would be great. I ask that, um, Lord, that you would show me favor, and I ask that um, you would uh, heal my, my, my great-grandmother of this headache. I pray that you would ask, and I ask that you would, right? And Jesus says, and when you pray, don't go on babbling, because the pagans of that day would just be very repetitious with their prayer, and they would, they would actually just repeat things over and over, and they would sway and nod, and they would be loud, and they would, and they would, they would be, want to be seen by others, and thinking that they're impressing people with their loud and obnoxious prayer life of repetition. And Jesus is saying, don't be like that. When you pray, it's not actually about your words, because I already know what you're going to ask for. So then I was like, then I'm like, okay, uh, if prayer's not about asking, um, and prayer is not about my words, because he says don't go on babbling. Okay, prayer is not about my words. It's not about asking. Although prayer, we have to use our words, yes. Is it okay to bring our, uh, our requests to the Lord in prayer? Yes, that is okay. But prayer is even more than that. So I'm like, okay, if it's, if it's more than just my words, uh, don't go on babbling. <sighs> Still can't figure that one out, Lord. And it's not about what I ask for, because you already know what I need before I ask. What am I left with? What am I left with in prayer? And then Jesus says this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, prayer, God-sized prayer, is alignment to his purposes. 
when we pray, it's more than just asking. It's about aligning to the will of God. So when we do come to God with our request, maybe it's, I'm going to, I'm praying about this situation at work. God hears your words, God hears your request, and but through prayer, it's God, your will be done in this situation. And if that means I need to humble myself, I'll humble myself. God, may your will be done. May you, may you make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way right now. And when we take our requests to God, and you should, and when you use words when you pray, and you should, the ultimate goal is our hearts are aligned to the heart of God. So, God-sized prayer is alignment to his purposes. And number three, God-sized prayer is seeking wisdom in all things. Seeking wisdom in all things. Praying God-sized prayer is not just about asking and praying for extraordinary things. It's also about, about seeking God's wisdom and guidance in all aspects of our lives. All aspects. Paul says, pray continuously. So prayer is not just about the extraordinary, God-sized prayer, extraordinary, move mountains, uh, split seas. But God-sized prayer is also in the simplicity of everyday life. We pray boldly. We invite God to shape our decisions. We pray for God to shape our relationships and our actions according to his divine wisdom. Um, Years ago, before I was in full-time ministry, um, when I was in management, every day when I would walk into work, I would pray and I would say, Lord, help me to perform my duties to the best of my ability and beyond by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I just wanted to submit my everyday life to the Lord. God, help whenever I had to have a difficult conversation where maybe somebody was even going to have to be written up or terminated. God, help me to deliver this in a way that is full of compassion and love while standing for what we need to do. And just submitting everyday things to the Lord. That's the kind of prayer we're talking about. And uh, last weekend, uh, last weekend I played in the Howard County uh, Golf Championship. And, uh, yeah, it's not that big a deal. Uh, <laughs> um, and um, it's two rounds of golf, two rounds of 18 holes. And after round one, uh, your pastor was in the lead. Don't worry, it's not a big deal. I lost by seven strokes. But anyway, so I'm leading after round one. And uh, at the start of round two, so actually last Sunday uh, after church, uh, um, I, I had to eat lunch real quick. And I, had a one, my, I was in the final group. I had a 110 tee time. And so I, I had to rush out to play the second round in this championship. And so uh, on the first, I go through, play the first hole. And, uh, and so I, and I, I'm, leading, I'm leading this tournament. And um, uh, on the second hole, it's, uh, it's this really long, if you don't know golf, I'm just going to go over your head for a moment. But the second hole is a really long par five. Very few golfers in our field could reach this green in two strokes. It's, it's really long. We had a little bit of a, a downwind, and I hit a great drive right down the center of the fairway, past the two fairway bunkers. And, and, uh, and, and uh, when I get my number to the pin, my, my distance to the pin is 235 yards left into this hole. Second shot. And I'm thinking in my mind, and, and, uh, um, play for safety here, right? 
because this green is protected by a pond in front, so you, you can't land short, you're in the water, and you take penalty, all these things. But as I was turning from the first hole and going to the second hole, and my nerves are calming, I know I have the lead in this tournament, I tell the Lord, I say, Lord, you're my caddy today. And, uh, and, uh, and I know that this is just golf, and it's not a big deal. And, uh, but, I, but what was a big deal was service this morning, and I think you moved powerfully. But Lord, I love this. And, uh, and I, just, uh, I just give you permission to be my caddy today and keep my, keep my mind strong and, and play well. So I'm on the second hole. I'm standing over the shot, 235 yards to a green that very few guys in the field can reach in two strokes. It's protected by water. And I tell myself, you're in the lead. Lay up, which means hit it short of the water and then hit it on the green on your third shot. I said, lay up. And as I go to my golf bag, I feel a nudge that says, hit the four iron and go for it. And I'm like, you know what, Lord, I just said you could be my caddy. And I pull the four iron, 235 yards, a little downwind, you have to carry the water. I hit this four iron, probably one of the best four irons I've ever hit in my life. And, it, and it's 218 to carry the water, it's 235 pin, and I hit this pin high on the green, on in two, one of the, one of, uh, I think only two of us made this green in two, and then I two putt and make an easy birdie. And I'm like, all right, we're off to a hot start. And, I, and then uh, I won't tell you about the rest of the round, uh, but God taught me a lot of things about humility and about trusting in the process. And uh, you can't win everything. Sometimes you lose. And, and then I eventually imploded on two holes that cost me, uh, cost me the round. But, but, I, but I just say that to illustrate to you that the God-sized prayer is for the extraordinary. And God-sized prayer is also in the ordinary. Every Sunday morning before I come out here, uh, I, I print my sermon notes after any last-minute changes, and, and my wife comes back to my office, and, and before she leaves to come out um, on Sunday morning, she lays hands on me at my desk, and she prays for me. And we pray for the extraordinary. We pray in the ordinary. And so God-sized prayer is just that. Yeah, we believe God for the extraordinary because we believe in his power, but also we submit our lives to him in everyday things and saying, God, I just want to be in alignment with your will. Should I hit the sandwich or the four iron, you know? Uh, God's interested in the details of your life. The everyday. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. And maybe you don't have because you're not asking. Maybe you, you haven't have that sense of purpose in your life because you're not seeking. Maybe, you're, maybe that door of opportunity hasn't opened because you haven't knocked. But in prayer, I've learned to drop my expectations of what I want and say, God, what you want. But don't stop seeking. Don't stop knocking. Don't stop asking. Here are some common reasons why people don't pray. You ready for this? Here's some reasons why people don't pray. One, people don't pray because they say, well, we don't know what to say. Isn't that common? I don't know what to say. People don't pray because we, we don't know how to say it. People don't pray because we don't know what to expect. 
And uh, this is one of the reasons why I love life groups. Because as a pastor uh, and, and all the life groups I've been in, I've seen people take great next steps in their walk with the Lord. It's been in life groups that I've, I've noticed people say, you know what, uh, when we invited them to, to pray for our group, they would say, that was the first time I ever prayed out loud in front of anybody. And I'm like, yes, we celebrate that. That's, that's what's so great about it. But people struggle with prayer because they don't know what to say. They don't know how to say it. And they don't know what to expect. I want you to consider uh, greeting card messages. Uh, maybe someone has given you a, a, a greeting card that they went to the, the card aisle and picked out a card and, and then just signed their name on the bottom and gave it to you. And you're like, I, you know, it, it was thoughtful and I definitely appreciate it. But now think about when someone hands you an envelope, you open it up, and they have a, a, a handwritten note where they have expressed their gratitude and, and it's, and, or maybe they're giving encouragement and it's personal and it's in their own handwriting. And, and you, like you understand, like that just, that just hits different. If you go in my office and on my shelf, you'll see that I, I have a collection of a few different things that people have written to me that are, that are either a prophetic in nature or so encouraging and it's in their own handwriting. And, and, and it has meant so much to me that it ends up on a shelf in my office so I don't forget. So, so there's this difference between the greeting card and the, the personal handwritten. Well, there are many greeting card prayers out there, you know, like, hey, would you say grace for our food? You know, like, uh, uh, okay, let's pray, bow your heads. Uh, uh, you know, uh, God, you know, good God, good food, you know, like, let's eat. You know, like, like, like short, like, uh, uh, oh, Heavenly Father, you know, bless. And like, greeting card prayers. I, I'm glad you're praying. But when you don't know what to pray and you don't know what to say, I want you to consider that, that uh, these two prayers that we see from David in Psalm 22, uh, verse 1. This is the, the prayer of David, who God says is the apple of his eye. It says, David is crying out and he's saying, My God, my God, have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Have you, what, have you forgotten me? And he says, why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out to you by day, but you don't answer. I cry out by night, but I find no rest. David is kind of having it out with the Lord right here. This would not make it on a Hallmark greeting card. Look at Psalm 28, verse 1. It says, To you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn your deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like one of those who go down to the pit. That doesn't sound very encouraging whatsoever. Yet, this is the prayer of David recorded in the scripture. And this is why I want you to know that real prayer is right prayer. When you don't know what to say, just be real with God. God is okay with you praying authentic prayers. God is okay with you coming to him even in angst and frustration. God is okay with you coming to him in prayer and saying, Hello, are you there? Because I've been crying out and you're not listening. God's okay with your real prayer. Because I would say that real prayer is right prayer. And also that if you, when you don't know what to say, this is an exercise I want to do this morning. That's why I'm trying to get there quickly. And that's something I believe is it will, will unlock your prayer life and that is praying the word. Pray, using scripture when you pray. 
Because I believe that praying the word is the best way to pray when you don't know what to say. And maybe you, you, you may feel so lost or, or so frustrated and you're just like, I just don't even know what to pray. Pray the word because his word is true. Praying the word does all three of these things. Praying the word of God is placing your trust in his power, not yours. Praying the word of God is aligning yourself to his purpose, aligning yourself to his will that is in his word. And praying the word also can be applied and is applicable to everyday life. You see, praying the word will accomplish all three of those things. Consider Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is why uh, uh, even hiding God's word in your heart, or what we would say is memorizing scripture, when you're going through something, hold on, find a scripture that you can hold on to and memorize it. Put it on your dashboard. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it on the lock screen of your iPhone. Uh, put the, keep the word of God in front of you. The, the psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And in the 15th verse, he says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not reject your word. In the 92nd verse, he says, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. I don't know about you, I have experienced this. That if it weren't for clinging to the word of God, how would I have ever made it through that time? He says, your law has been my delight and I would have perished in my affliction if it hadn't been for that. So when you don't know what to say, I would tell you, praying the word is the best way to pray when you don't know what to say. It accomplishes all three things. It's trust in his power. It's an alignment to his will. And you can, it can be applied to every day life. The 97th verse that the psalmist says, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. The 105th verse says, and your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. In other words, in prayer, when you pray the word, when you lean into the word of God, it gives you, it's a lamp unto your feet. In other words, it gives you your very next step. And it's a light for your path, and it gives you vision for your future. The Word of God. And so this morning, I actually want to go through an exercise together so you can see how praying the Word is powerful and that you can learn how to pray the Word because I believe that praying the Word is the best way to pray when you don't know what to say. Would you stand with me this morning? And we are going to go into a moment of prayer here. Don't worry, it's only 11.04. We're going to go into a moment of prayer, and then we'll worship a little bit at the end. I know that with a number of people in the room this morning, that there is a variety of, of maybe heaviness. There's a variety of things that maybe you would say, I need prayer for that. And one of those is I would say that some people just feel the, the burden of life. Or, or maybe we would say that they feel anxious of life or even are facing depression in life. And so this morning, we're going to pray uh, for this, this anxiousness. We're going to pray for that heaviness. We're going to pray for that depression. And here's how we're going to pray. We're going to pray the Word of God. 
So on the screen, you're going to see Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So right now, let's just begin to pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for every person that is facing anxiousness, heaviness, and depression, that they don't have to be anxious about anything whatsoever because you're in control. You are sovereign. You have the power. And by every situation that is represented here today, God, with prayer and petition, we're going to still give thanks and have gratitude. We're going to give thanks by presenting all of these requests to you. Don't be anxious about everything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. So God, we right now, we thank you that no matter what we're facing right now, we thank you for the people that you've put in our lives. We thank you for the cross of Christ. God, I thank you, although I'm stressed about my work, I thank you that I have work. God, I thank you that I'm stressed about finances. I'm glad I have an income. God, I thank you that although I'm stressed about my family and extended family, I thank you that I have family. God, I thank Thank you that I have life, even if my body is ill. I thank you that I have breath, even though I'm facing this sickness. I thank you that no matter what happens in me, no matter if I'm crushed, no matter if I'm bruised, I thank you that I have the hope of Jesus Christ, and nothing can separate me from the love of God. Philippians 4, 7, it says, In the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So God, I pray for every person here today that God, they are, are heavy laden. They are heavy with anxiety and depression. God, I pray that the peace of God would rest upon their life. It would guard them. It would guard their hearts. It would guard their minds, that you would protect and filter what is going into their minds, and that you would give them this hope deep down that the light would be turned on, the light of peace that would transcend everything that they could possibly understand. It would transcend their, all their current experiences. Would you fill people with peace? And God, I'm reminded that your word also says that the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath of our feet. He's the defeated foe, and we can have peace today, even in the chaos. And 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So right now, just right where you are, if this is you, if you're just, if you have those struggles, you're stressed, you're anxious, you're, you, you have heaviness on your life, right now, would you in your own way just begin to just confess all those things to the Lord? God, I give it to you. I'm going to cast all my anxiety on you. So Lord, that relationship I trust you with it. Lord, that bill, my finances, I trust you with it. God, this unanswered question and the doubts I have, Lord, I trust you with it. I give it to you. My struggles at work, God, will you make a way? I trust you with it because I know that deep down you care and you love me. And God, I pray for everybody here, Lord, that may struggle with fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I don't have to be afraid in Jesus' name. I don't have to be afraid because God did not give me fear. God did not give me fear. I don't have to be afraid to face this. I don't have to be afraid of this conversation. I don't have to be afraid of this task because God didn't give me fear. He gave me 
power. He gave me love. He gave me a sound mind. And I thank you, God, that you did that. And Psalm 56, 3 says, And when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. So God, right now, in the midst of the battle, the fears I may face, I place my trust in you. I know that you are trustworthy. And Lord, I know that you have been trustworthy since the beginning of time. And Lord, whatever's got me shaken, whatever's got me shook, Lord, I just place my hope and trust in you. You're trustworthy. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Thank you, God, that we can seek you and you can be found. Thank you, God, that when we pray and we, even when we pray real prayers, you hear us. We, that our prayers don't go unanswered or unheard and that you will deliver us. You're the deliverer, God. Thank you that you're, you are my Savior, my Messiah, my Redeemer, the deliverer. You've set me free. You've protected me. You've rescued me and delivered me from all my enemies. You've delivered me from my fears. So I just rebuke fear in Jesus' name. Fear you must bow because I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me and I place my trust in him. And maybe somebody needs healing in their physical body today. Isaiah 53, 5, we read it when we took communion. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. So I just pray in Jesus' name for everybody that's facing a physical ailment in their body. I pray in Jesus' name that, 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 uh, that, that there would be healing there would be supernatural deliverance from this. God, I pray that we will hear great testimony because by your stripes, we are healed. You bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. And by the cross of Christ, we believe for physical healing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Psalm 103, it says, Praise the Lord, my soul. Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all all your diseases. So God, may we just have faith to believe that you are a God that still heals. There is many, many benefits to our tr placing our trust in you. And may our faith be encouraged today, made stronger because we pray. And we pray your word. We stand on your word. We trust in your word. Come on, in your own way, would you just begin to thank him right now? Would you just begin to thank him right now? My hope today is that somebody leaves today with a God-sized prayer in their heart. That there is something you're facing and you're, you, you just decided today, I'm going to be resolute about this today. I'm going to go to God in prayer over this. I'm praying for the extraordinary. I'm praying for the ordinary that I would be in alignment with his ways and not my ways. And we will see God move powerfully as we will continue to be a house of prayer. I hope this is helping somebody today. Let's go in God-sized prayer. Father, one more time, I thank you that you hear us when we call. If someone today, Lord, is facing something difficult, and, and we can know that we can come to you in petition and prayer and thanksgiving. 
You hear us when we call, and we place our trust in your power and not ours when we come to you in prayer. God-sized prayer, our faith connecting to your power. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give God one great clap of praise this morning before we go. Isn't he awesome? Awesome.